At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Pittsburgh CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting, and it has you covered for the NFL season. They are offering same-game parlays in all pro football matchups. They are bringing back their Reduce the Juice promotion on game days, and this NFL season, they have a $1 million Beat the Spread challenge with thousands of dollars given away each week. Pro football betting is more rewarding at Bet Rivers. Download the app or go to BetRivers.com to bet. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. One of the biggest issues facing the Pittsburgh Steelers, emphasis on one of the biggest issues facing the Steelers, is their recent propensity to get off to awful starts and get down big in games. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. The Steelers, two-point underdogs against the Tennessee Titans at home on Sunday. The over-under is 41.5, but forget all that. Just bet against the Steelers in the first half and bet on them in the second half because that's the way things are trending. Certainly was the case against the Chargers. Certainly was the case against the Baltimore Ravens. Certainly was the case Thursday night against the Minnesota Vikings. Just bet against the Steelers in the first half and then flip it in the second half. In each of their last three games, the Steelers have allowed their opponent to score first. It's more like... Each of the last four games, though, as the Chargers scored a touchdown in their first possession, that counted a Steelers field goal to start the game on November the 21st. The Steelers have allowed an opponent to score in their first drive of the game four times this season. The combined score at halftime of their last four games has been 78-16 in favor of the competition. The Steelers have had to play catch-up way too often from far too deep of a deficit in recent weeks. 
The hole was 29-0 last week. It was 31-3 at halftime in Cincinnati. They were down 27-10 in the fourth quarter against the Chargers. All three of those games wound up being losses, and no wonder. That's a lot of ground to make up for an offense that has proven to be far from high-powered for most of the year. In fact, you can argue that Ben Roethlisberger and the other 10 players in offense have overachieved to make games in Minnesota and Los Angeles competitive late. What they've done early, though, is a different matter because it's not just the defense hemorrhaging points in the first 45 minutes of games that has been a problem over the last month. Blame the offense, too, as it has failed to hold up and keep up until it was too late. This wasn't so much the case in Los Angeles, but in the three games since then, it sure has been. In that first half against the Vikings, the Steelers' offense netted just 66 yards as opposed to even 300 from Minnesota, 176 of which were on the ground. Roethlisberger was sacked four times. Against the Baltimore Ravens, the Steelers didn't convert a third down before halftime. They had just four first downs while the Ravens had 13. They were outgained 191-93. to Over the first 30 minutes in the Cincinnati game, the Steelers were outgained 261 to 95 by the Bengals, and they allowed 18 first downs while only getting five. On Tuesday, head coach Mike Tomlin was asked about scripting out plays to start games and why things may be working out better for opponents in that regard more than has been the case for the Steelers. Sometimes we just simply gathering information or setting other things up. Um, you know, that's a component uh, of the scripting as well. Games aren't determined in the first 10 to 12 snaps. They never are. Um, I, I wouldn't, I'm, I'm personally not losing a lot of sleep on over initial drives. As a matter of fact, I thought we, we moved the ball pretty fluidly on the first drive until we got a penalty and then missed a field goal. And so um, I'm not overly concerned a, a, about that perspective. Uh, there's a lot that we're trying to get done uh, with that scripting, whether it's informational, uh, particularly against an opponent like Minnesota that we're unfamiliar with and we're working on a short week. Um, oftentimes you're simply gathering information or setting things up for later in the contest. Tomlin is being too dismissive there, if you ask me. But if his greater point is that the defense early on is the larger issue, well, I can't argue there. It's been dreadful. Consider Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert going 16 of 19 for 170 yards, a touchdown, a 121 passer rating, and 44 rushing yards the first half in L.A., Against Cincinnati, Joe Mixon had 117 yards and T. Higgins had 95 yards receiving over the first two quarters. When the Steelers hosted Baltimore, the Ravens held the ball for 23 minutes and 30 seconds of the thir first 30 minutes, including a 16-play, 99-yard scoring drive that lasted 10 minutes and 27 seconds. When they visited Minnesota, Dalvin Cook of the Vikings had 153 of his 205 yards before the break, and he was averaging a ghastly 10.9 yards per rush. Perhaps most alarming is that in each of those instances, it's not like the opposing team did anything in particular that was surprising to the Steelers. In his Tuesday press conference last week, Tomlin told media members that we need to be ready to look out for the pitch game within the Minnesota rush attack. That's something the Vikings used and used effectively during the game. Tomlin extolled the virtues of Joe Mixon and the Bengals' run game to complement their passing approach going into that contest. And then the Bengals shoved it right down the throat of the Steelers with Mixon anyway. We were all warned by the coach that the Chargers were going to use Keenan Allen over the middle of the field and they were going to try to hit Mike Williams deep. Well, guess what happened? So is Tomlin telling his players something different than he's telling us? 
Are they not listening to the coaching and the scouting reports that they got all week? Or perhaps more concerning, is the defense listening and just physically incapable of doing anything right? Man, we own that. We own it when it's good. Um, we own it more when it's bad. It's our job to, to, to find the right formula uh, based on the mix of guys that we have available to us. And so that goes without saying from my perspective. Um, and that's why, you know, I kind of laugh when I hear that question. I think that's just the mentality that we and all, all of us in this business have that, you know, we feel responsible for the, the quality of play of our players. Uh, we feel responsible for, for putting them in position to be successful. Um, we feel responsible for uh, the outcomes of games. And so um, that has been my perspective. That will be my perspective. That's a component of it that will be unchanged, and, and our staff shares that. In their most recent game in Minnesota, Tomlin said however you want to distribute the balance of scheme versus player performance, the Vikings just did it better. Sometimes it's just execution-oriented, and that's what I mean when I said that, that, that they won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, I don't think any of us were shocked or surprised by what it is that they did, um, but they did it better than we did. And so you got to give them credit for that, and that's why I acknowledged that in my opening statement, and I don't know that I, that I did enough of it post-game. I, um, I was upset about the quality of our play, um, but, but i got to give credit where credit is due um, for those that we compete against, particularly when they do a good job and they execute, execute an intended plan in a manner in which they did. Well, I do give the Vikings credit, and I also put the blame at the feet of the Steelers for not being good enough, often enough, in 7 out of 13 games this season. As a result, if they do beat the Tennessee Titans this Sunday, even if they do that, they may have to win at least twice more against the Chiefs, the Browns, and the Ravens to make the playoffs. Even then, that still may not be good enough to qualify, and that's not good enough in Pittsburgh either, Neither is failing to win a playoff game for what would be the fifth year in a row. That's something else Tomlin and his staff may have to own, as he said earlier. All right, now, like I said, the Steelers are two-point underdogs at home against Tennessee. I'm taking them, and I think we all know why. This is such a typical Tomlin win game. It screams Steelers victory. Back against the wall, team in disarray, rally the troops, it can't stop the run. It can't stop the pass. The team is acting up on and off the field. Chase Claypool's asking for music to be played at practices. He's signaling first down while the clock is running in games. We've given up on them. We're throwing dirt on their graves. It looks like it's over in mid-December. Then the Steelers muscle up. They get a win at home against an AFC playoff contender who's favored coming into Heinz Field. They stay alive in the playoff race. They close in on 500. They don't get eliminated until last week of the season. It happens all the time. It did in 2012, 2013, 2009, all those years under Tomlin. They do just enough to keep themselves alive to the bitter end. That's what this year feels like. Like, you remember when things were slipping away in 2018, when they were 7-2-1, and and they started to lose a bunch of bad games, and they got themselves in a position where it didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs. And what do they do? They beat the Patriots at home to give themselves hope. This is as obvious of a Tomlin win, as Thursday was obviously a Tomlin loss. Thursday night on the road against Minnesota, equally mediocre, coming off a Ravens game that they won. That just reeked of Steelers' loss, yet I went the other way at the last minute, and I doubted myself I won't hear. I'm taking the Steelers plus the points. I like the under two. We talk about that and more with Joe Rudder of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review after Mike Tomlin's press conference right now in the Pittsburgh CityCast. 
Joe, it was kind of a strange press conference in the sense that I think we're kind of out of questions and he might be out of answers. What do you think? Yeah, I would say so. And it doesn't help that, uh, you know, you've had three days to, you know, to digest it and kind of move on. So a lot of the things that happened in Minnesota, for the most part, weren't as relevant as maybe what you're looking ahead to for Tennessee. So that made it, you know, difficult. And yeah, you're still trying to, you know, you're still trying to get his version of the Chase Claypool stuff and, you know, the, you know, the run game problems and some things that cropped up the two point conversion decision. So there were a few things, but largely you want to try to look ahead, but yeah, the way that you know more it's more focused on injuries i think with this team when you're trying to look ahead and right now nobody really knows for sure who they're going to have available sunday well that goes into it a little bit too and so far as you know answers need to be found for positions of weakness and i don't think there are obvious answers to be had in this roster anywhere it's not like you can look up and down and say okay this guy should be playing instead of this guy there's very little of that i mean Maybe Banner playing instead of one of the tackles. But aside from that, I don't know who else you're looking at and saying, well, this guy should get more time than this guy who should get less. Uh, I suppose in the wake of what happened against Minnesota, you could say that about James Washington and Chase Claypool. But then again, in between the dumb things that he did, Claypool had his maybe his best game of the season. Yeah, he did. And so you, you, you're living with the good and the bad there. Um, I think they just you know try to ride it out with the three receivers they have and um you know, you're going to go with the two rookies at running back and tight end. It's the line that, you know, he admitted that the line got pushed around. So what do you do? Do you sit Kendrick Green and, you know, maybe have Hassenauer move in there? Finney's probably not ready. He didn't mention Finney today. So your options are limited there. Uh, I mean, I don't think you want to put LeGlue at center, even though he's he's played at some before. But you might get Haig back, which could help. You might move Banner to one of those tackle spots, probably the right side, and put Chooks over on the left, or you sit Chooks and go with Dan Moore, whoever you think is the more physical option. But there, there's there's not as many things as you can do, um, you know, with that line. And really on defense, getting Hayden back after four games out and hoping Watt and Highsmith are back after leaving the Thursday game early are really the only major things that you can do on that side. That's one thing we probably could have asked him that we didn't is what's going on with Watt. I don't know what kind of answer we would have gotten, probably very little. But, I mean, he's been great for the six games that he's played in, in their entirety. And then there's you know, six games there, too, as well this season where he's either been absent or has left early or has been clearly affected by an injury that had kept him out the previous week. Yeah, and so you're you're not sure what you're going to get. I would suspect that he'll be ready for the the stretch run, but that you know stretch run could be as long as one game if he aggravates that groin injury. I think that's the second time this year that's cropped up. I you know I imagine that could be a lingering thing for him for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, Highsmith, you're not sure about. You know, I thought it was interesting they added John Simon to the practice squad. You know, as another guy they could maybe elevate and have available. You know, instead of relying on Taco Charlton, Derek Tuska, at outside linebacker. And then you're, you know, he said maybe Robert Spillane comes back. He's been used in the dime, so maybe you don't have to rely on Buddy Johnson, or you just use Buddy Johnson more, and you know deal with his the, the youth that he brings, and you know maybe play him more instead of a Devin Bush or Joe Schobert. It's interesting, and Mike Tomlin rarely does this, but he did allude to their place within the race, within the conference, within the division. And that's not normally something that he does. And you could even tell that he was letting us know, I'm fishing to do this, but I'm doing this. It was almost like he was talking himself into the relevance of where they are because they're not eliminated yet. And I think if one or two of the teams in their division was more consistent, he'd have a different tone. 
But honestly, the AFC North is keeping them in the playoff race by way of a division championship as much, if not more so, than the conferences from a wild card perspective. Yeah, I think right now, really, you got to win the division to get in. I don't see how you leapfrog a bunch of these teams for uh, you know for a wild card spot. I you know to, I don't think it's going to be as jumbled as that much. I think you've got to hope things work out in your favor in this division, and you have to use that as the the option to get to the playoffs. But yeah, you're right. He did mention that at the beginning, like, hey, you know, we we're able to see where we sit in the scheme of things. But then when he was last later, if that's good for the conference, he said, I don't care. You know, he really, because I'm just worried about how how it concerns the Steelers. And, you know, he obviously wants to keep this team in, you know, from playing, you know, he wants them playing meaning, meaningful games into January. And, you know, it looks like thanks to the, the other three teams in this division, the Steelers are going to get that chance. Steelers two and a half point underdog coming into this one against Tennessee at home. Should they be? I don't think they should be. Mm, I guess going by what you've seen coming off Thursday and Tennessee still finding ways to win, albeit against, you know, not the greatest opponents. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I, I can't see how the Steelers would be favored giving up that many rushing yards and how the Titans, even without uh, Derrick Henry, still have shown a, an ability to run the ball. So, yeah, I would think the Steelers don't deserve to be favored. And, you know, very hard to find how many more games this year they would be favored. See, I'm going to pick them because this just says Steeler win written all over <laughs> it, just like Thursday had Steeler loss yeah. written all over it. And I talked myself out of my instinct that on that one, so I'm going to plow through with this one. This is the kind of game that they win. We've given up for dead. We've thrown some dirt on their graves. Uh, the world is against them. The, the locker room is cracking. you got people celebrating first downs when they should be giving the ball back to the official. I mean, and ever, all that other stuff. Um, this just feels like the kind of turnaround game. Keep them in it. Keep us tracking all the playoff permutations throughout the course of Christmas. You know, like they, they do this all the time is what I'm saying. Just like that game against Minnesota is a very typical game for them to lose. This is a very typical game for them to win. Well, you look at just how they bounce back after Cincinnati and they won at home, uh, you know, beating Baltimore. Yeah, that th this game is at home is huge. I think if this game's on the road, there's no way they have a chance to win this game. But being at home, yeah, they could come back. They could win this game. They could play, be competitive. You know, because one thing, you know, no matter when they're 8-8 eight and eight or whatever it is, they've always found a way to play meaningful games late in the year. And Mike Tomlin's always found a way to do that. I think just, what, one game in his career, he's... Never, they've only one game that was meaningless. Yeah, meaningless, mathematically eliminated. Well, meaningless negatively. Yeah, they've had some that they yeah, where yeah. they've played even though they yeah, were like last year in right. you know, Cleveland or a couple years ago. But yeah, so you know, he's he's got that to hang his hat on. And uh, but yeah, they they have to win this game. I just don't know whether I think they can do it. But it wouldn't surprise me if they you know somehow pull this off. Well, he was talking about how they're sort of adjusting without Derrick Henry and how they're adjusting without AJ Brown. Julio being back and everything else, and it's still a shell of what makes the Titans the Titans. It's so hard to look at them, not see Derrick Henry, and say, okay, uh, that's a team that should come to Heinz Field and win when the Steelers really need a victory. You know, like I know that Hilliard got 133 yards rushing the other day, two weeks ago, but they got that win against the Jaguars, 20 to nothing, with like 280 something yards in offense total, and the Jaguars gave them the ball four times. So. This is a winnable game. I think the two division games at the end of the season are winnable, but it's just a matter of what's going to be on the line by then. Yeah, and you know, again, it's will the rest of the AFC North play down to the level that they've played down before? Will somebody finally shake free and try to try to win this thing? 
Um, you know, and then also don't forget, you know, in those scenarios, they got to go to Kansas City, fly out on Christmas Day, play the day after. You know, Kansas City's you know the hottest team in the AFC right now, so you know, you got that challenge there. But really, if you're going to get into this thing, you've got to win the other three games or find a way. If you lose one of them, they'll win at Kansas City. I think this should be a really low-scoring game on Sunday. How about you? Oh yeah, I, I would think so too. Again, although I didn't expect the Steelers to come back twenty-nine nothing to make it close, but then again, the, you know the Vikings were kind of letting them back into that. But yeah, I don't see I don't see a I see a Baltimore twenty nineteen type. You know, it's definitely a low-scoring type of game. So I looked at it. If you were to add up the scores for the Steelers at halftime in each of their last four games, it's something like. 88 to 16. Yeah, it's awful. I yeah, I, I looked that up I, as well coming off of that game uh you know, in Thursday. It's just they they're getting off the slow starts. And, and yeah, the, the fourth quarter comebacks are nice, but uh you know, when if you're losing at Minnesota, you're losing at the Chargers, what good does it do to you? I mean, you know, you've got to find a way to be more competitive and stay in these games early, you know, so you can give yourself a chance to win. I mean, they just continually trail at the half, and that, that even dates back, you know, in the Baltimore game, you know, the same thing, that they just they got to get leads and be able to play from ahead as opposed to trying to play catch-up because they're not really built for that. Well, that's just it. You're talking about a team that has been renowned lately for not having a very potent offense. And you're asking the offense to essentially make up three quarters of time in 15 minutes at the end of the game, and that's just not sustainable. They've proven that. Yeah, it's not. And, and you're relying on it with a 39-year-old quarterback who did play extremely well in the fourth quarter in Minnesota, but you know he's also playing behind the line that got him hit so many times and just couldn't get anything done in those first two to two and a half quarters. So yeah, it's it's not sustainable and it's not, you know, and you've got to rely for those things to happen, you have to rely on the other team kind of giving you a chance to get back into it, which is what Kirk Cousins did with those two interceptions. Would you like to provide an update on Stefan Tewitt for us? Uh, I would not because uh, I was told by Mike Tomlin not even bother to ask. He's not going to be there this week. You know, he's done. For, he's not going to be here the whole year. I think we all know that by now. So uh, I just wish they would say it. Yeah, I, I don't I know. I think they mishandled this tremendously. I mean, I, I think the veil of secrecy has made everything look worse. Yeah, it has, and I, I think it's given. Well, I think it's given fans some kind of hope, at least until maybe the last few weeks, that oh, he's going to be like the, you know, the guy riding in on the white knight and save the day for the Steelers' defense. And now it's obvious that it's not going to happen, and I think fans are left frustrated because they see what's, you know, they see what Tuit can do and what this defense is doing, and really want him back out there. And I think they're frustrated because nobody really knows the entire story. All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder. You can hear that interview in its entirety on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast page. When we come back, we look at the Titans-Steelers game from a Tennessee perspective with John Burton. He's from News Channel 5 in Tennessee, as well as WNSR Sports Talk Radio in Nashville, of course, formerly from the Pittsburgh sports media scene. John and I worked together at Channel 4 for a while, and John, of course, was the morning host for a bit on 93.7 The Fan before moving out to Nashville about 10 years ago now. Jeez, I can't believe it's been that long, but John joins us next here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
The VEASAN mid-season football special is here. Put the VEASAN betting experts to work for you from now through February for only $99. Daily best bet emails, 24-7 video streaming, betting splits for every sport, point spread weekly, plus in-depth data and analysis on VEASAN.com. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe and get everything we have to offer for the rest of the football season for only $99. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back in the Pittsburgh CityCast, Titans two-point favorites against the Steelers. They are 8-5 and five against the spread this year. The Steelers are 5-8. and eight. The Steelers stay under 53% of the time. The Titans, 46. That's why I think 41.5 as a line is a tough putt, but I still like it on the under. It's also why we need a Tennessee perspective right now with John Burton of WNSR Sports Radio, News Channel 5 in Nashville, formerly my colleague at Channel 4, and he worked at 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, too. Now 10 years in Nashville. He joined me this week on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast to analyze Titans and Steelers and I figured I'd play back a portion of that conversation right now here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. So we know how this game is going to go, right, John? I mean, I don't even know why they're bothering to play it because the <laughs> Titans are coming in at 9-4. and four. The Steelers are 6-6-1. Six, six, and one. They've been hideous lately. They're getting run on left and right. They're going down by three scores to start every game. People are down. People are downcast. There is no hope. We're throwing dirt on their graves. So obviously the Steelers are going to win twenty to seventeen. I don't even know why we're bothering to play it. Oh, of course it's it's the it's the classic circle the wagons game for Mike Tomlin <laughs> and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to borrow that from the Buffalo Bills during the Chris Berman you know NFL primetime uh, days. And uh, you know this is the perfect setup for. I know a lot of Steeler fans. I'm sure you know packing up for the winter and getting ready to go full bore into penguin season. But I would hold off for at least one more week because uh, they're at home. Um, they're facing a, a Titans team that's going to be down some weapons. And, you know, I think the old gunslinger Ben Roethlisberger might have a couple of bullets left in the chamber. So I wouldn't pack up the, uh, the Steeler, you know, fleeces and hooded sweatshirts and banners and all that stuff just yet, because, uh, if, if it's one thing I know about this organization, they're never going to quit. They're never out of it. And, you know, it's like Chris Collinsworth said a couple of weeks ago in the, in the Sunday night game against uh, the, the chargers, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, you just can't kill them. So <laughs> I know people are disappointed after the Minnesota game. And I get why, you know, you get down to a million to nothing and you come and you fight back only to come up short. But uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fold up shop just yet. I saw the line come out at Bet Rivers at minus two and a half, and I'm like, no, they're they're missing the point on this one. I, the Vikings game going into it, I circled that on the calendar in August, and I said they're going to lose that game. They're they're going to be 500 ish, scrambling for the playoffs. They're going to come off a game against the Ravens. They might win it. They might lose it. How, however it goes down, it's going to be emotionally draining. Thursday night, short week, going up against a mediocre Vikings team. It all played out exactly that way. So, of course, I changed my mind at kickoff and said Steelers are going to win. Um, I'm not going to do that this time. I'm not going to change my mind. This, to your point, as a classic feel of the kind of game that a Tomlin team always wins to stay alive. I mean, they did this how many times when you were here in, like, 2012 – 2013 those years that they didn't make the playoffs but they made us think that they could all the way through christmas this is one of those games 
You know, you know, I think back to just a couple of years ago, you know, the Mason Rudolph Duck Hodges year. Right. You know, Tomlin still managed to get eight wins out of that team, and they weren't eliminated from the playoffs until the final day of the regular season. So, yeah, this is this 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 feels like one of those type games. I've seen a million of these type games before. When you, you know, from a mental standpoint, as someone who covers a team, you're like, all right, you know, looks like we don't have to deal with the uh, Steeler playoffs. I can concentrate on whatever I need to concentrate on. And all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you follow pro wrestling, it's like, you know, the undertaker's hand coming out of the dirt and, you know, <laughs> reaching for the sky, not dead yet. So, um, you know, they're facing a Titans team. That's, a, you know, a little, well, a lot banged up. They're going to be missing some key guys. You know, AJ Brown is still not eligible to come back off of IR. Uh, Julio Jones just came back last week. Uh, he's been in and out of the lineup with a hamstring uh, uh, injury. You know, he did have four catches for 33 yards, but I don't think he's 100% back yet. And uh, they got some injuries on their offensive line as well. And, of course, the big injury, uh, still no Derrick Henry, although the news on him seems encouraging from a Titans standpoint. The Steelers, John, when they win, the score is like 15-10. Uh, 16 to 16 when they tie the Lions, 20 to 19 when they beat the Ravens. They'll score points when they really have to hurry up and score points, and when the other team allows it to happen, like the Chargers did to a degree, they allowed it to happen too much. The Vikings did to a de- degree, probably let up on defense too much to help keep them alive. To, to your analogy before with the Undertaker, but I look at an over/under line of 41 and a half in this game. And I still feel like that's too high. I think this is going to be a really low-scoring game, and, and I think it will be within a field goal. What do you think? Well, you know, from a Titans standpoint, their offense certainly has struggled since Derrick Henry's not been in the lineup. You know, last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, that was, you know, they were coming off the bye, and it seemed like the perfect, you know, easy rocking chair win, which it kind of, for the most part, was 20 to nothing, but... You know, you look at a couple of things in that game. They had problems. They had problems pushing the ball down the field. You know, the 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 Titans defense intercepted four passes off of Trevor Lawrence, and all the Titans were able to get out of that offensively were three points, wow. and they weren't able to move the football. So that's a bit of a concern right now. They they at, at parts and periods of this season. They've had to too much settle for field goals instead of touchdowns. They've had some issues in the red zone. That's what cost them in the Jets game. That's certainly what cost them in the Texans debacle. And, um, you know, they moved the ball on the ground against the Patriots, but kind of got bogged down once they got into the inside the 30. So, yeah, I could see this being one of those uh, rock fight, you know, games in the phone book, old school AFC Central uh, Titans Steelers games from back in the day, you know, when you had Eddie George running the rock for the Titans and, and the bus running the rock for the Steelers and, and, you know, just, you know, Steve McNair versus Cordell Stewart or whoever, uh, it could be one of those, uh, uh, tight games, close games and rather low scoring. So yeah, without Derrick Henry, I mean, it's a different offense for the Titans. And, um, and one thing is as well is Ryan Tannehill, the Titans quarterback, he's been getting hit a lot. He got hit 10 times in the game against the Jaguars and, you know, got sacked, I believe four times. So they're having issues keeping him upright and, you know, they're going to definitely step, take a, you know, step up in weight class when they face the Steelers defense on Sunday. So yeah, it could be one of those rock 'em sock 'em robots games with, you know, the war of attrition and who's standing at the end is the, lo- the sole survivor. So they had 270 yards rushing against the Patriots. Foreman and Hilliard both went over a hundred. 
Meanwhile, though, every game since Henry got hurt aside from that, like Foreman led him with 29 yards rushing against the Rams, 30 against New Orleans. Adrian Peterson had 40 against Houston to lead him. Then Foreman again with 47 last time out against Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin said today their run game is their run game, um, independent of Henry being there. First of all, is that true? Like, are they no. still? Are they still? Okay, I figured as much. Uh, I think he meant no, that. No, Mike's wrong. <laughs> I think he meant that from like a schematic point, but I mean yeah. from a production point, clearly it is not. Uh, are these? What are these backs like that are trying to replace Henry? And is that indicative to us that Henry was even better than we thought because he was doing a lot of the damage on his own? If schematically they're still trying to do the same things and they're just not doing it nearly as well. Well, here's the thing about Derrick Henry. You know, the guy's six foot three, 250 pounds. And if there's any kind of hole and he's able to get through it, even if he gets hit once he gets through the hole, he's going to fall forward for about two or three yards. So all of a sudden, the three yard gain turns into a five yard gain. It doesn't look like much. Um, so, yeah, the, the dirty runs is where uh, Henry was most valuable. And of course, he, he's capable of busting an 80, 90 yarder with his speed. You know, Hilliard's the speed guy of the two. You know, he busted like a long 65-yarder, I think it was, against the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Blew everybody's doors off. He's really good in the screen game as well. He's got decent hands. Foreman's more of the power guy who has a little bit of wiggle, too, and some quickness. And, you know, the two guys are trying to replace the one guy. And, yeah, you're right. The production has just not been what it was when Derrick Henry was there. Uh, the offensive line is still doing a good job, obviously, of getting off their blocks and 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 powering the run game. But, you know, these these two guys, as good as they are, good as they've been in flashes, they just don't have the consistency that Derrick Henry would have. So, yeah, uh, the Titans run game is not the Titans run game without Derrick Henry. They're trying to just do enough to keep defenses honest so that Tannehill can work his magic in the, in the uh, play action game, uh, which is especially um, needed because again, AJ Brown will not be available this week. And other than Julio Jones, there's just not a lot of speed at wide receiver because of the injuries they've had with, you know, Chester Rogers, who Steeler fans are familiar with and Nick Westbrook, Akina and the tight end, Anthony Ferkser, you know, these guys, you know, aren't guys that are just going to run a nine route and, and run past your secondary. So it's allowed teams like the Patriots to squat on the shorter routes and, and make plays that way. And, and as a result, you know, the Titans turnovers, uh, last week, notwithstanding, the turnovers have been up a great deal. And, uh, you know, Tannehill's thrown a lot of interceptions. I believe he has 13 on the year. You know, the two games before the bye week against Houston and, and New England, they had a combined nine turnovers and zero takeaways. And, you know, you know as well as I do, better than I do, that, you know, you know it doesn't matter who you play, whether it's the Houston Texans or whoever, you know, you're not, you're turning the ball over at that kind of rate. You're not going to win too many games. So, you know, they've, they've tried to keep the offense vis-a-vis the running game as close to what it was when Derek was in the lineup as possible. But, you know, you just read the numbers off the production for the most part really hasn't been there. And you're talking about a guy in Derek Henry, who was well on his way to breaking Eric Dickerson's single season rushing record, especially with the extra game, you know, he was at nine thirty-seven before he went down. So yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> The run game is the run game, but it's not the same. So, so Mike is not being hundred uh, percent not forthright, uh, and, I, and that is that, that yeah. is the first time that's ever happened. So, you know, I'm, yeah. uh, let me ask you this about Tannehill. I mean, this might sound strange, but what is affecting him negatively more? Is it the absence of Henry, or is the the absence of Brown, and what had been the absence of Julio? 
I would have to say the absence of Brown and, okay. and, and Julio because, you know, the weapons in the pass game, because he's so good at play action that all you really need is more of a representative run game for him to be effective. But, you know, listen, you know, with Derrick Henry not being in the lineup, defenses don't have to allocate as many, you know, bodies to stop the run game. And you're not going to see as many stack boxes. You know, A.J. Brown is is the is the tone setter. He's the guy that can get deep. He's the guy on those over and crossing routes that can take a you know a ten yard pass and take it to the house. Again, not a lot of speed other than uh, Julio Jones, but he's still working his way back. And you know, obviously having Derek there and the threat of the running game and and that kind of thing is effective. It'd be great for any quarterback, but you know, sooner or later you got to have guys get downfield and make plays and. On a consistent basis, that hasn't really happened. We've seen flashes, like I said, from Westbrook Aquina and, you know, Marcus Johnson, who's now an IR. He was doing a really nice job. He had become basically uh, the number two to AJ while Julio was out, but he's out for the season. So, you know, and plus, you know, Tannehill is dealing with a lot of younger, inexperienced wide receivers. And this is a rhythm passing game where a lot of times you're just throwing to a spot and you expect the receiver to be there. And we've seen a lot of instances where that receiver is not there. And he's throwing to that spot and the DB is there and he's making the play uh, for the interception as opposed to the big play downfield. So, you know, Tannehill's had to adjust, you know, he's, he's, he's a tough kid. He's, he's hanging in there as best he can, but yeah, without a healthy and, you know, effective AJ Brown and Julio Jones, you know, he struggled a little bit uh, at times this season. How's the defense been? And what's the word on Bud and Adani? Adani's still backing up Bud, huh? Yeah, defense has been really good of late, actually. You know, I mean, you got to consider the team they're playing, but, you know, they were they were terrific against uh, the Jaguars last week. Uh, you know, they intercepted Lawrence four times. They pitched a shutout. It was their first shutout since 2018 and their first home shutout since 2000. And uh, they get they got after the quarterback, Harold Landry's having a great year. He's double-digit sacks. Jeffrey Simmons, the inside uh, defensive tackle, He's having it all pro type season. I mean, to the point where, you know, he's kind of maybe a notch below an Aaron Donald, the way he's been playing. Um, they've been getting good pressure off the edge. They have a young secondary, but they're making plays down the field uh, with not only interceptions, but knocking the ball away. And, you know, the inside linebackers had a, had a great game on Sunday. Jaron Brown and Rashawn Evans each had an interception. They're, they're bringing in Zach Cunningham off waivers, so they're hoping that he can contribute. So, But, he's, but you're not a, supposed this, to ask about him, right? That sets Vrabel off when you ask about yeah, him, yeah, right? don't, yeah, don't Yeah, actually, Vrabel talked about it on Monday. He was, he was actually, he was actually uh, okay with being asked about it. But, yeah, on Friday, he had a little bit of a hissy fit. But, <laughs> yes, uh, he did. Yes, a little. Yeah, I'm I'm being nice here, but uh, you know, so you bring him in, and um, so yeah, the, I mean, this defense Tim was historically bad last year, do uh, especially in sacks or lack thereof, and in you know opponents third down efficiency, they could not get off the field on third down. They've done a much better job of that uh, this year. As far as Bud Dupree goes, I mean, you know, it's week to week with him. You know, he's played a couple of a couple of weeks, and then he's out for a couple of weeks. You know, he had that major, you know, knee injury last year, and he just hasn't been able to come back 100% on a consistent basis. Uh, he's been pretty effective when he's been in there, but uh, you know, they're hoping to get him back this week. He's eligible to come back off of uh, IR. We'll we'll have to see how the week goes, how the practice week goes, but they're hoping to have him back. I'm sure he'd love to come back and play against his old team on Sunday. Um, but uh, we'll have to wait and see with him. But overall, 
you know, and the biggest thing with the with the Titans is last year they decided not to go with a standalone defensive coordinator. It was Vrabel and then outside linebackers coach Shane Bowen, and it was a complete disaster. So Vrabel did the smart thing, in my opinion. You know, he labeled Bowen as the standalone defensive coordinator. And all in all, despite a lot of injuries, he's done a nice job. Bowen's a young coach, but I think he's going to be a head coach someday. He's done a nice job as defensive coordinator. I mean, they couldn't have gotten any worse than they were last year. And this year, they're actually pretty pretty serviceable overall as a defense. Are you and I going to be shuttling back between Pittsburgh and Nashville when we reset 2017 and it's Predators versus Penguins in the Stanley Cup final? We might have to. I mean, the Predators got off to a little bit of a slow start, but, man, they're red hot right now. They... They swept their four-game road trip, including, you know, they're the Kings of New York right now. They won at the Islanders, at the Devils, and at the Rangers in successive games. Before that, they won at the Red Wings. They're getting good goaltending now from UC Soros, who's now the number one guy now that Pecorino's retired. Matt Duchesne got off to a hot start. Uh, Ryan Johansson's been bugged. You know, he's been hit by the COVID bug, but he's done a nice job. Mikhail Granlin's done a nice job at center, setting up uh, – um, Guys like uh, uh, Forsberg, who had a, a big game uh, a couple of weeks ago with four goals, and uh, you know all four primary assists went to Mikhail Granlin. Uh, you know they're young; they have a young defenseman, and Dante Fabro is playing well next to Roman Yossi, and they seem to have a good system going right now. And even though he's cooled off a little bit, Matt Duchesne was red hot to start the season, so they seem to have a good mix right now. Um, we'll see how long it can sustain. Me personally, I'm not sure if Soros is the type of goaltender that can carry a team on his back all the way up to and including a Stanley Cup, but we'll see. So um, they are uh, they are off to a, a hot start right now. And yeah, maybe it might be 2017 all over again. And, you know, we'll be going back and forth between Nashville and Pittsburgh. That was fun back in 2017. It was nerve wracking, but it was fun. So you're going to be extending your trip here in Pitts, Vegas for a little while? Yeah, yeah, getting in Saturday, going to do a little bit of work and then uh, cover the game Sunday, and I'm going to sp- stay a couple of extra days and hang out with some people because uh, I have to work on Christmas, so this will be my opportunity to see my Pittsburgh peeps, and uh, there's a music artist that I manage that's still in the Pittsburgh area. I'm going to get together with him um, and talk over some business, and so it'll be mostly business, well, actually mostly pleasure some business on this trip, so <laughs> looking forward to getting back to the Berg. I mean, it's weird. Can you believe this spring, it'll be 10 years since I left Pittsburgh, Timmy? That can't be but right. I, no, it's true, but the thing is, you know, I come back to visit at least once a year, if not twice, so it's like I never left. Well, last time you just snuck in incognito, so I didn't know you were here. You were, <laughs> you were on the down low the last time. I just bumped into you in the casino. That was it. So Yeah, I was I was hanging out at the casino. All of a sudden, I look up, and I see you walking through with a suit and tie on, holding uh, up some award, and my friend said, hey, what was that? Did you win some award? And you were like, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's, a, it's a major award. What, what's Tim doing in the casino with a leg lamp? That's really weird. <laughs> Congratulations on that, by the way. So oh, yeah, thanks. it's going to be a fun weekend. And the biggest thing, Timmy, for me is from from a personal, you know, selfish standpoint, you know, getting to see Ben Roethlisberger play in person, probably for the last time. You know, I was here and I was there in 2004 when they drafted him. You know, remember the the rookie weight scale was a lot different back then. Uh, it took a while for him to sign his contract and get into camp. Remember, it's about more than halfway through training camp before he finally arrived and. Uh, I actually got the first live interview with him just moments after he reported and signed his contract. And, you know, Ben and I, for the most part, had a pretty good relationship when I was there. So from a selfish standpoint, getting him to see, uh, getting, get to see him play one last time, 
knowing what he's meant to that city and that organization with the two Super Bowls. And we know that, you know, he hasn't exactly been a choir boy all this time, but man, you know, uh, a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer and a, and uh, uh, already a Steeler icon. Uh, it'll be fun to see Ben play in person one more time. Well, as Mark Madden and I have discussed on this podcast on many occasions, replacing Ben Roethlisberger, there's only one option, and that is Kenny Pickett, because that will be best <laughs> for business. Bring in the guy who not only has to replace Big Ben, but also has to replace Dan Marino, essentially. So Yeah, yeah no pressure just, there. Ma- no, no. And we won't put any on him either, I swear. Well, <laughs> No, Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh has always been really, really good and really patient with quarterbacks. Really patient with quarterbacks, especially some that come from a university where there's divided loyalties within the city with Penn State and West Virginia fans. I mean, I I can't imagine. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Piece of cake, man. (laughs) All right, JB, look forward to seeing you. Timmy, thanks, man. Always great to be on. Happy holidays to you and all the listeners as well. Thanks to John Burton. Great to catch up with him. By the way, those Nashville Predators winners of five in a row and seven of ten, 35 points. That's fourth in the Central, tied with the Avalanche. Good for the top wild card in the West at this point. They play each other at home Thursday night, and the Avs are plus 128 as home underdogs. I know the Avs beat them 6-2 earlier in the season, but I like that number there with the Preds. The Penguins, meanwhile, now third on the odds board in the Metro at plus 400 to win the division behind the Hurricanes and Capitals. They are plus 1,300 to win the East. The value to risk there is starting to look interesting to me with Malkin coming back, still at plus 2,300 to win the Cup. They play the Sabres tomorrow. Buffalo just snapped a seven-game losing streak against Winnipeg, their first win since Thanksgiving. The Sabres, big plus 250 road underdogs against the Minnesota Wild Thursday night. All right, that'll do it for us. Coming up on Thursday, Mike Pursuta joins us for his weekly appearance in the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.